chapter 12, we're going to look in verses 9 through 11 today. And as we go through this message, just bear with me. Um, We're going to try to relate it to mothers as best we can. Um, uh, Yesterday morning, I, I was reading from Our Daily Bread Ministries. And there's a story that was part of the devotional. The story is titled, For Love's Sake. The devotional reads, running a marathon is about pushing yourself physically and mentally. For one high school runner, however, competing in a cross-country race is all about pushing someone else. In every practice and meet, 14-year-old Susan Bergman pushes her older brother Jeffrey in his wheelchair. When Jeffrey was 22 months old, he went into cardiac arrest, leaving him with a severe brain damage and cerebral palsy. And today, Susan sacrifices personal training goals so that Jeffrey can compete with her. What love and sacrifice. Now reading this story, I couldn't help but think of the love of a genuine mother. For this sister to do this for her brother, I would have to assume that she learned this sacrifice from her mother. It was demonstrated by her mother. And for all practical purposes today, I I want you ladies to understand something. I want you men to understand something. Every woman who births a child is not a mother to that child. I'm aware of that. So what I share today is generally speaking of a genuine mother. Let me share this also. If you didn't have that genuine mother in your life, but there was an aunt or a big sis or grandmother or a foster mother or an adoptive mother who loved you as a mother, you had what God intended for you to have. God intended you to be the blessing to that mother and that mother to be the blessing to you. I'm aware that all things are not equal. That's why preaching Mother's Day and Father's Days are difficult for me because I'm aware all things are not equal. But when I read this passage, I get a glimpse of Paul speaking of love and sacrifice that that a mother knows best among us. I'm talking about a genuine mother. The Bible says this, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, 
fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you, God, for putting up with us in the way that you do. We thank you, God, for the sacrifice and the love that you have poured upon us. And God, we pray right now that you'll be glorified in this message. We pray that you'll be glorified in all that is said and done in this place and that your son would be magnified. Speak to our hearts, God, through this message, and we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul, he begins this chapter by imploring believers. The believers in Rome represent their bodies as a living sacrifice. The apostle is challenging them not to live their lives as the rest of the world, but to be different, to be set apart for him and his will. Now, too often we look at sacrifice as being just too great. And I truly believe we see sacrifice as being too great because we realize whether we admit it or not, just how flawed we truly are. Uh, I believe we can see that we're not capable of pleasing the Lord. Uh, And the truth is that we're not capable of pleasing him with and within ourselves. That's been proven since the beginning of time. It was proven with Adam and Eve, the first of his, uh, of the creation of man and woman, how they, they just could not please God because they brought sin into this world. And it's been happening ever since. Now, if we think that we've got it figured out, then we need to really be humbled and beware that God will humble us. Because we all stand in need of Jesus. Humanity has always failed God. And we we often think that God just demands too much from us. After all, we know what we feel. We know what we think. So, with God demanding too much for us, we want to think that we know what's best for us. Whenever we think that God's expected too much of me or you, we're saying that I know better than God or you know better than God. When we say that, well, I can't do what God's calling me to do, we're saying I know better than God. I I believe the reason we actually say those things or we behave in that way is not because we really believe we know better than God. It's because we want to have complete control of our lives. Our biggest challenge is just surrendering our lives to Jesus. You know, the truth of the matter is I spoke with someone yesterday and and he, he said the hardest thing for him to do as far as the gospel is concerned is to surrender his life. And I'm thinking, how can that be the hardest thing? The hardest thing ought to be to believe that God left heaven and come to this earth. And that he was born by a woman. That he put on flesh and he lived in this sinful life. That we can't come close to living perfectly for 24 hours. He did it for a lifetime. 
But he said the hard thing was to surrender. It's because we want control. You know what this is? This is pride. And it's no wonder that God hates a proud look because it takes our eyes off of him and places it on ourselves. The truth is, if we're left to ourselves, our lives would be lived out through selfish motives. But in the day's text, what we see is that Paul's calling for our lives to be lived out as a living sacrifice. It sounds too demanding, but in reality, it's the sacrificial lives that, that Paul describes here that we can see in a genuine Christian mother's life. What, we, what I see when I look in this text is a mother's sacrificial love is just undeniable. How do you see that preacher in this text? Well, I'm glad you've asked. Paul tells the Roman believers that they are to love without hypocrisy. If you're reading from the King James, the word is dissimulation. And that word, it actually means hypocrisy. What the apostle is saying is that a genuine believer is to genuinely love. So when a born-again believer says, I love you, he or she is not just saying it to be saying it. And if, if you don't truly love someone, don't tell them you love them. They should be able, from a believer, from a professing Christian, they should be able to believe exactly what comes out of our mouths. It genuinely means when we say it that we love the person we're saying it to. And the world will tell, because, you know, the world tells us all sorts of things. And, but the world will tell us exactly what we want to hear until the world gets what it wants from us. That's because the world always has ulterior motives. And whenever a professing born-again Christian has ulterior motives towards you, their love is not genuine. They're extremely immature as a Christian, or truth is, they just may not be a genuine believer. So Paul goes as far as sharing practical ways here that displays a, a genuine, the genuine love of a believer. Here he says, if you look there in verse 9, he says, a genuine believer will abhor what is evil. In other words, he hates what is evil. That word abhor is a very strong word. It, it doesn't mean to dislike. It means to hate strongly. Paul is saying that a genuine believer, is so, their love is so strong that it literally hates what is evil? Now understand me well. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And as professing Christians, we never are entitled to, to hate anyone. But we should and we must hate sin. We cannot call evil good or good evil. Genuine love will desire the very best of people. And going along with sinful behavior is not love. That's enabling. And we're living in a time when Christians feel like, well, we've got to show love. We, 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 we've got to do this for them or they won't think that we like them or love them. You know, sometimes the best way to say I love you is to say no. Sometimes the best way to say I love you is to say I'm not going to be part of that. 
You know, it can hurt, and it's a hard thing to do from time to time. All you got to do is be a parent long enough. Long enough, you'll learn that saying no becomes necessary. Uh, When that child wants to go put its hand on the fire, you have to tell it no. It may not like it. It may stomp and scream, but it's okay if you say no. Let me get in our pocketbook a little bit. When, that ch- when the only money you've got in the bank belongs to the Lord, but that child is having a temper tantrum in the, in the grocery store or in Toys R Us, it's okay to say no. It's okay not to give it its way. Boy, I didn't hear no wives or mothers saying anything. I hear a lot of fathers, but I didn't hear mothers. You know why? Mothers will sacrifice everything they have for their children. <laughs> the point is this, that believers must love, and, he, and they show their love by hating and fighting against that which is evil. And in doing this, the genuine Believer cleaves to what is good. The word cleave here, it means to join, to fasten together, to cement or to glue together. The genuine believer desires only the very best of all the good possible for others. Now, he is to cleave to what is good and to work for everyone who knows and experiences. For everyone to know and to experience good. The believer shows that he truly loves people by holding fast and working for the good. So really the genuine believer demonstrates their genuine love by being kind and affectionate toward others. This means that believers are to exist as family. You know, sometimes it's hard to exist within your family, isn't it? Sometimes your family won't make life easy for you. (laughs) Sometimes your family will make things difficult. But at the end of the day, your family. So my, my sister and I, if there's ever a time when we don't get along, it's okay for me to say what I want to say about her. Be careful what you say to me about her. I can get frustrated at my daughter and, and just be so mad that I don't know what to do. But you better not come to me about my daughter. Because at the end of the day, family is family. Shouldn't that be how we are here in the church? Should that be how we are as born-again believers that, that we love each other so much that, that if we're going to complain about one another, we're going to complain about them to each other, not to everyone else, and so that we can make things right. And we're not going to let anyone outside of the church talk about our brothers and sisters. We may not agree with them. Chances are a crowd this large, we're not going to always agree. We're not going to always see things the same way. We're not going to, what makes sense to me is not going to always make sense to you. That's been proven. I'm being here 18 years. That's been proven. What makes sense to me, some of you has been spinning your head, why is he doing this? It's okay. Just don't let those out there talk about me. And in order for that to happen, you can't go out there and talk about me. (sighs) 
God is not the author of confusion. And we can't allow division to creep up because we are not kind and affectionate toward one another. And you know, the truth of the matter is, I, I, I look at this and I know you're wondering, what's that got to do with mothers? Well, I just thank God for genuine mothers who love their children and are so real that they diligently seek not to expose their children to what's evil in this world. You know, they hate evil so much that they're not going to allow their children to get to what is evil too soon. I just shared with you a few moments ago about this book. Listen, if you don't want to say anything about the public library, don't say anything about the public library, but don't let your children get a hold of this book. You know what mothers will do? Genuine mothers will sacrifice to shelter their children. And that's what some mothers, every mother can't do this, but I know that's what a lot of mothers do. That's why mothers homeschool their kids. They want to shelter them from what's going on in the public school system. And then there are mothers who have children in the public school system because they can't uh, homeschool them at home, so they teach them at home. And they have them in a place like this so that they, they will know what is right and wrong. Because they're not going to learn right and wrong in school. They're going to learn what's wrong in school. Yeah. We have an enemy out there who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy our children. And we need mothers. We need our mothers. And we need to applaud and celebrate our mothers who are hands-on with their children. (laughs) I'm almost embarrassed to say this. When, when Taylor was in college, we, Iola, I say we, Iola knew every password she had. I'm, college, not high school, college. She had it in high school too. She was there on scholarship. We didn't have to pay for her school. But if she would have been goofing off, we would have had to pay for her school. So Iola made sure she stayed up. Now, Taylor done well in college, much better than she did in high school about staying up. <laughs> but we made sure she stayed up. And, and you know what, parents, I, I had friends of mine who were parents of teenagers, who were parents of, of college kids, and they said, you're crazy. She, you ought to give her the space to live her life, in, uh, live her life, let her make her own decisions. Well, I've learned that if you give someone enough rope, they'll hang themselves. And if they start to hang themselves, the best thing for you to do is be able to step in to stop the hanging. And that's the, that's the approach we decided to take. Man, I've been in this world 52 years. I, I've seen things my daughter hasn't seen. I've se- you've seen things your children haven't seen. And it should be our job to always abhor evil and to keep them, shelter them from the evil that's out there. The world will say, let them go and do what they want. But the world doesn't care about my child. The world doesn't care about your child. And I'm glad there are mothers in this world that'll say the world ain't having my child. If the word of God calls it sin and rebellion, then that's exactly what it is. It's sin and rebellion. And if it, if it glorifies God, it's good. So it's easy to tell what's good and what's evil. Whether it's in my family or your family, 
we should be able to see what is good and what is evil. And a mother, a, mother, a genuine mother's love is going to keep their child from that that is evil. Let, let's, <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. As we look here in here, we not only see a mother's love, but we, is the undeniable, but we also see a mother's sacrifice or sacrificial service is unique. Look there what he says there in verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The apostle Paul shares here that the genuine believer is to serve the Lord. And here the apostle Paul shares how the genuine believer is to serve the Lord. Genuine believers are not to be slowful. Now, some of you have uh, a different translation. It says lagging in diligence. In other words, the genuine believer is not to be lazy. Genuine believers cannot be complacent when we're living in this world where suffering and pain is all around us. You name it, people are struggling with it. Drugs, alcohol, uh, homelessness, hunger, depression, mental health issues uh, or struggles and grief, divorce, abuse, sin. These are just a few of the things that people are struggling with all across this world. So the genuine believer must be fervent in spirit. Second Timothy t- uh, 1 and 6, Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that is within you. In other words, he's saying, don't get lazy. Don't just sit around and do nothing. There's too much work out there for us to not do anything. So folks, we must be about our father's business. For Colossians 3 and 23 tells us that whatever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not the men. So in everything that we do, it's to serve the Lord. And that's the attitude in which we do it, as if we're serving the Lord. We live in order to serve him. That is our very purpose for being here on earth. It's to minister for him and for his kingdom. Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline shares this about service. Self-righteous service comes from human effort. True service comes from a relationship with the divine. Self-righteous service is impressed with the big deal. True service finds it almost impossible to distinguish the small from the large service. Self-righteous service requires external rewards. True service rests contented in being hidden. Self-righteous service is highly concerned about results. True service is free of the need to calculate results. Self-righteous service picks and chooses whom they serve. True service is indiscriminate in the ministry. Self-righteous service is affected by moods and whims. True service ministers simply and faithfully. True servants simply and faithfully serve because there's a need. Self-righteous service is temporary. True service is a lifestyle. Self-righteous service is without sensitivity. It insists on meeting the need even when to do so would be destructive. But true service can hold the service as freely as performing it. Self-righteous service fractures the community, but true service, on the other hand, it builds the community. 
I want to say to our mothers, I thank you for your service. I thank you for the genuineness in which you serve. Genuine mothers can never be labeled as lazy. For genuine mothers are aware of the needs of their child or their children. Often when, young, when a young woman learns that she is pregnant, there's a sense of excitement and anxiety. She wonders, how am I going to take care of this child? But when the baby comes, that genuine mother becomes a servant to her child. She serves the child selflessly and tirelessly all the days of her life. Now, there's something else I see in this text. I see the gospel. I see the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sacrificial love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the example in which the Apostle Paul writes this passage. God's motive for sending his son to the sin-cursed world was his love for us. For God hates sin and will not condone sin no matter how much he loves us. Our sins had to be dealt with, so God put in place a sacrificial system that was only to be temporary. And in the fullness of time, God sent his son to become the once and for all sacrifice for the sin of the world. God sent his son born of a woman so he could fully understand the struggles that we have in our flesh. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we do not have... For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. God loved us so much that he not only, not only did he love us, but he served us. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. In flesh, he, perf- he was perfectly obedient to the Father, obedient to the point of death. He died taking upon himself our sinfulness so that we could receive his righteousness. And taking upon our sinfulness, God turned his back upon his only begotten son because Jesus sacrificially gave himself on our behalf. And now God will never turn his back on us. It's because Jesus sacrificially gave himself on our behalf. We can call upon the name of the Lord. And God will in no wise cast us out. For he will forgive you of all your sins. And his Holy Spirit will come and reside within you. His Holy Spirit will lead, guide, and direct you. As you navigate through this world in a new life. The sacrifice of God's love was great. And his sacrifice was a service to us. And we should never, we should never think that we don't need it. 
or that we didn't need it. God has placed mothers in this world. He's given families in this world to demonstrate to us just how he loves us. But a mother's love is a temporary love. Whether we want to admit that or not, it's a temporary love. Yes, they can go on before us and we're still going to love them. You're still going to ache for them. But that love is temporary. It's to show us the depth of God's love for us. Because when we get to heaven, we won't ache for no one anymore. When we get to heaven, God's got this thing fixed to where it's just going to be joy. It's going to be love. It's going to be peace. It's a place that we long to get to. Because then all the problems of this world will be left behind. If you're here and you have a mother, don't take her love for granted. (laughs) We all have our ideas of what ideal is. But don't take the love that she has for you for granted. If your mother has already went on to be with the Lord, (laughs) you remember the love that she poured into you. And you rest the day smiling. Smiling that God gave her to you for what time he gave, gave her to you. Just to be able to experience a mother's love. Whether it's your biological mother, your adopted mother, your foster mother, an aunt, a grandmother. To be able to experience that is a gift from God. Don't take that for granted. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As they begin to play this song of invitation. A mother's love is undeniable. A genuine mother's love is undeniable. Just as the love of God is undeniable. And a genuine mother's sacrifice, it is a unique sacrifice. No one else will sacrifice for you like a genuine mother will. But no one has ever sacrificed for you the way Jesus has. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He loves you ultimately so that He sacrificed everything for you. And because he sacrificed everything for you, he's willing to give you everything that he has. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know that you can. The Bible declares that if you believe, 
upon Jesus Christ and you confess him as Lord and Savior, you shall be saved. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? And are you willing to confess him as your Savior? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you're ready to know him, would you pray with me right now? God, as I come before you, I come before you in the midst of my sin. God, I'm lost in this world, and I need a Savior. I believe Jesus left heaven and come to earth. I believe he lived a perfect and sinless life, and he died in my place. God, I also believe that he rose from the grave on the third day, and he conquered death, hell and the grave. God, I believe this. And today, I confess my sin to you. And I receive Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for hearing me and allowing me to call out to you. Help me, God. Help me to live this, in this world as a sacrifice for you. Pour your love into me. Impress upon me to sacrifice my life for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, if you prayed this prayer and you believe it, You believe it with all that is within you. You believe the day that you were saved. Why don't you come and share it with me? Just come and let me know that you trusted Jesus as your Savior today. If you're not sure, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. Before you leave this place today, I'd love for you to know whether you are saved or not. Because whether you know is the difference between an eternity in heaven or an eternity separated from God.